0: Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, just like we're providing you this podcast for the best analysis for each Eagles game every week. And that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 and 18 months guys is about how long it took Howie Roseman to kind of assemble this team to what we have now. And you know what we're dealing with? Uh, are Manscaped's third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And, I mean, if Manscaped could offer some of that advanced skin-safe technology to patch up the Eagles' offensive line, that would be fantastic. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so one-and-a-half football games, so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor, which is the equivalent to how fast Jalen Rager runs on the field every single week, with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple power source of USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours, get 20% off, and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right, I said get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Let's get into another edition of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night. Was a long one looking for a quick fix, looking for a shortcut. But if I want a game player uh, for the long run, what do I bring
1: to the table? Same dumb luck. There's a good chance the last thing I pick up will show up in my sleep and crash on my dreams, with some shit I want to
0: be. Cause it's not what I'm proud of, some heaviness some pettiness and things I'm ashamed of. All right, Eagles fans, it's been a long, long time off since we played on Thursday night, and we got a one point win. Over the New York football giants, even though they play in New Jersey, they still call them that for whatever reason. I will never understand, but it is Cowboys week. Super excited. This week is always a ton of fun. And to help us break down this matchup between the birds and the boys, the one and only Mr. Mark Lane, what's going on, man? Thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to Eagles enemies. First time guest on the show.
1: Hey, Kyle. Good to be on with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been calling them the New York Giants and they've been playing in East Rutherford, New Jersey, since the, you know, since the Knicks have been good with Walt Frazier and Afros. So, you know, some some traditions just never die, no matter the facts.
0: It's one of those things. It's like, I live in New Jersey, tax dollars went towards that stadium in New Jersey. You're, you play in New Jersey. Like the only team that literally plays in New York are the Buffalo bills.
1: Right. Right.
0: Let's get into uh, Eagles-Cowboys. Super excited for this game. And I am I was so excited to talk to you about this as soon as I reached out to you to come on the show because you said, let's do this on Friday because Jerry talks to the media at 11.30 and he might say some wild stuff.
1: Yeah, um, he didn't really say anything wild as compared to Tuesday when he told one of the hosts on the radio to... You know, be quiet and let him finish. Uh, there wasn't really, like I said, anything groundbreaking. Uh, he he basically said their key to victory against the Eagles is to um, is for the seventh round rookie quarterback Ben DiNucci to not turn the ball over. Which you know, I mean, that's something that two time Pro Bowl quarterback. Dak Prescott and two-time NFL rushing champion of the year Ezekiel Elliott had trouble with uh, all throughout the season. So good luck with that, Ben Danucci from uh, James Madison, taken in the seventh round. But uh, you know that they believe that if they can play a clean game, um, that they they'll have a shot against Philadelphia. Um, what their problem? and I'd say this is going back to even when Dak was healthy, their problem has been injuries to the offensive line. Um, You know, they haven't, they've had such inconsistency along the offensive line that they've been lucky to have the same five guys practicing each week. And when you have that sort of, Discombobulation to such a rudimentary unit to winning football. Um, it just it's a recipe for disaster. And Dak was able to overcome it being um, you know, a top-tier quarterback, at least for this season that he was. But when you're dealing with the Andy Daltons and Ben Denucci's of the world, uh, it's you know not so good. And as, and people have been dogging Ezekiel Elliott and everything, too. Oh, why'd they give him that money? I mean, he hadn't had a 100-yard game and so forth. Okay, that's true. But even Emmitt Smith on the 5-11 and 11 Dallas Cowboys uh, under Dave Campo from 2000 to 2002. They had two offensive linemen that helped make Emmitt, even in his 30s, uh, effective. You still had Larry Allen. That, that was so versatile. You could plug him wherever. You had Flozell Adams at left tackle. I mean, the Cowboys have had, as far as a stable offensive lineman through these first seven games, Connor Williams at left guard. They've had they've had someone else at every other spot. And when you you have the, like I said that sort, when you don't have that continuity. It's tough to run behind those types of lines. And oh, by the way, the one year that Emmett didn't have a thousand yards, um, other than his rookie season in nineteen ninety, two thousand and two, when Larry Allen played five games. So that's what I'm saying: is if your offensive line is trash, and I'm not saying that the, you know those guys are trash. I'm saying that the output is below stand, you know, below the Cowboys' standards. When you have that kind of a production, you know, it's gonna be reflected in the fact that you can't move the ball. And I think that's gonna be the struggle against Philadelphia. I mean, Brandon Graham, I mean, look at you know, he's he's uh not really lost a step, you know, being in his early thirties. Um, you know, he's got the third most tackles for loss with nine. He's got He's tied for third most sacks with six. I mean, the Eagles' defense has had 24 sacks. They're tied with the Rams for third most in the NFL. Um, You know, so they can get after the quarterback, and uh, they've got some fresh meat to get after with Benucci.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, coming into this game on paper, we were just talking about it on our podcast, maybe, you know, right before the Dak injury happened, and it was like, we chalk this game up for the Eagles as a loss um, just because of how well Dak was playing, the weapons that are on this offense. Um, and then Dak gets hurt, unfortunately. Andy Dalton comes in and looks even worse than Bengals' Andy Dalton somehow. Um, and then he gets injured. So now it's Ben DiNucci, who, like you said, seventh round draft pick. Uh, you know, there was a, a fun little article that a, a local. TV station, NBC Sports Philadelphia around here, put out, you know, saying that you could go look up Ben DiNucci's uh, LinkedIn page, and he still hasn't updated it to say that, you know, he's a, a quarterback in the NFL. But what do you think this Cowboys team is looking to get out of Ben DiNucci this week, knowing that it's kind of one of those odd situations that they they definitely were not prepared uh, to say that Ben DiNucci was going to be a, a starter for one of the weeks of the season this year for them? <laughs>
1: Mike McCarthy said it on Wednesday. He, he's looking for every drive to end in a kick, whether that's a punt, a field goal, or the extra point. Uh, that's really what they want out of Ben DiNucci is someone to not uh, to bus drive. And, you know, probably one of the wheels is going to blow out on the bus, but don't roll it over down the ravine and, you know, kill the whole passenger compliment. That's what they're looking for out of Ben DiNucci.
0: And obviously we were talking about Zeke and and Cowboys fans talking about, you know, why did they pay him? And, you know, he hasn't been up to the greatest start this year. Like you said, the offensive line definitely plays a big part in that. And we we in Philadelphia know all too well about offensive line issues right now. Um, But Zeke's biggest issue that stuck out to me is he's been fumbling a lot and more consistently over the past couple of weeks. What do you think's kind of gone into his fumbling issues? And like you said, with the Eagles defensive line that gets after the quarterback, if they're handing the ball off to Zeke to just alleviate pressure off of him, who's to say that you know a Brandon Graham, a Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett don't get after Zeke and and go and strip that ball because it seems to be an issue for him recently?
1: Yeah, I think in the Atlanta game he was going against an old, I think either a high school teammate or someone – he played in high school. That watched a lot of film on him and found a tell. And now everybody else has has discovered it. And when you know turnovers or they Shakespeare said it best: "When it rains, it pours." Uh, you know, because he was predicting American gridiron football when he said that. But no, um, that's really what it's like. Is now it now that teams know that they can try for the strip with Elliott, they're just gonna keep coming after him. It's like chum in the water for sharks. So he just needs to stop fumbling and then I think that problem will stop. You know, if he could get if he can put on tape, for example, someone going for the strip and he gets out of a tackle and goes, you know, for fifty yards on a chunk play or something like that. You know what I mean? he's done nothing to to punish defenses for going for the strip and until he can have a moment like that i think this is just gonna persist and uh, you know they say it about quarterbacks but really ezekiel elliott falls in that category they say you know this particular quarterback he'll give you one that's what they used to say about tony romo you know, because of the nature of how many passes he's going to be throwing and everything, and he drives the offense, you're going to have a chance to pick off a pass. So you better capitalize and not drop it. And it's the same. And Elliot is in that category now. He's going to give you one. You're, you're going to have a shot to maybe, um, you know, do a peanut punch and flip the game your way. So again, until he can have. Just you know bust out of them holding them up and go for a chunk play uh to, you know he's not gonna scare defenses with it, but uh you know he was he he, he didn't have a hundred yard game, but he was putting up a hundred scrimmage yards in his first two games. And then obviously against Cleveland he had another one and then the Giants. So he's he hasn't been the traditional Zeke in terms of carrying the ball and en route to a you know NFL rushing title, but they found ways to get him the ball in the passing game and it's just kind of dissipated really since Dak got hurt. Um You know, he hasn't really been a factor in the passing game nor the running game. And, you know, some of it has been the fumbles.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing that a lot of people took notice of in the offseason when the Cowboys moved on from Jason Garrett, hired Mike McCarthy, is Mike McCarthy likes to pass the ball around. And we saw that a lot early with Dak and how he was succeeding, you know, putting the ball around the yard. And a lot of people were wondering if that was going to hinder – You know, what Ezekiel Elliott was going to be able to do, Um, but then things have kind of manifested a little bit more, at least from the outside looking in with Mike McCarthy and, you know, allegedly players talking about this coaching staff doesn't prepare well, they don't know what they're talking about. I'd be remiss to ask somebody who is on the inside, is there any truth to that, you know, players not really, you know, meshing well with Mike McCarthy and this coaching staff? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily McCarthy so much as it is Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator, Um, because they left – the the offense is the same as it was under Jason Garrett because they left Kellen Moore in charge as offensive coordinator. So there's not really any change there. Where has – where have the – where the differences come in it's been on the defensive side of the ball with Mike Nolan and Nolan is someone that wants to generate turnovers and the scheme that they were running with Chris Richard and Rod Marinelli for the past couple of seasons was more about bend but don't break and it's just been that it's been that confusion and again this is not When I mention these things, people get mad. um, But you know, they're really kind. They're facts. They didn't have an off-season program. You didn't have your nine-week off-season program. That's valuable when it comes to determining of the personnel that you've signed and the guys that are here who can play in the system. I mean, Brett, you've noticed in June, July. Right before teams go to training camp, oh, teams will just cut people, even free agents that they sign during um, you know free agency. They'll they'll just cut them because there's a lot of that evaluation that goes on, and you know the entire league did it on Zoom this year because of the coronavirus. Um, So Dallas wasn't able to take part in any of that. Then you don't have the preseason games. Then you have this. Training camp that's just you know the entire month of August. Now again, I mean those are facts, but it's the challenge that some teams like the Cleveland Browns, who had a new head coach with Kevin Stefanski, were able to overcome and post a five and two start. It's a challenge that some teams like the Dallas Cowboys weren't able to work through, and that's why they're two and five. But that's why we like the game of football is because we enjoy seeing how some teams can rise to the occasion and some can't, and that's it. They, they haven't had success. Um, they've not had a lot of continuity due to injuries as well. They also, um, you know, in I, in some regards got cheap in the secondary thinking that Daryl Worley and, uh, you know, Chidobi and Jordan Lewis and Donovan Wilson and Xavier Woods are going to fix your problems on the back end instead of a uh, perennial All-Pro safety who's expressed numerous times that he would love playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know, when you you kind of get what you pay for at the end of the day, even with all of the continuity issues and no offseason. So that's. That's been Dallas's problem. I think that when they start getting guys back from injury, um, Sean Lee, he's, he's worked this week. Uh, Chidobe Awuzie, the cornerback, he's worked this week. I don't know if they'll be able to play, but when they are, the, Dallas should have a little more cohesion on defense. And, um, you know, it really has been their Achilles Seal.
0: And you talk about them kind of getting cheap in the secondary and uh, alluding to potentially bringing in Jamal Adams, who's now in Seattle. But do you think this Cowboys team regrets not bringing Byron Jones back? Uh, No,
1: I don't. They should, but no, because I, I just don't think that they were willing to pay that kind of contract and. Mike Nolan's defense is predicated on generating turnovers, and it's something that Byron Jones didn't excel at. So just in their evaluation of what they needed from their back end, it didn't fit up with Jones' skill set. So like I said, no, they don't, but uh, yeah, the fans, uh, they certainly do. Uh,
0: Along that defensive line, though, there's been – you know a a really awesome comeback story with Alden Smith. Uh a lot of people said, you know, there's no way in hell he's going to be able to, you know, bring up the success he had with the 49ers. Uh been out of the league for quite some time, but he's had a fantastic, you know, rebirth in the league. What do you think has kind of gone into, you know, his success in this defense because it seems like he's one of the few that is finding a lot of success this season.
1: Yeah, his uh, defensive line coach Jim Tom Sula was his position coach in uh, in San Francisco from 2011 to 2014, and was also his head coach. And actually, cut him in 2015 when Tom Sula was the head coach, just because he felt like he wasn't that uh, Alden Smith wasn't where he needed to be as a person. But nonetheless, I think that having someone who's worked, who's had success with him previously working with him has, has helped. I think uh, Smith just taking his craft seriously and, and, and just taking hold of this redemption story and seeing what he can do to change the narrative. I think that that's also helped and you know when you're a defensive coordinator and you know what DeMarcus Lawrence is going to bring you and so you scheme to stop him on the other side that allows Alden Smith to take advantage of it kind of like what we saw last year with Robert Quinn uh Quinn was able to generate was able to lead the Cowboys in sacks he had another double digit sack season and that was from playing opposite of Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence and so Smith has been the beneficiary of that but he's been silent as of late but we'll see if he's able to get back on track against Philadelphia
0: and you bring up DeMarcus Lawrence who I think has become one of the the true villains of Eagles fandom you know his back and forths with Lane Johnson and then he finally breaks through last year gets his first sack against the Eagles. He signed that big contract uh just last season, I believe, and you know, 5 sacks in 2019, only has 2 sacks this year. Is that kind of just, you know, coordinators and, and coaches scheming to prevent DeMarcus Lawrence from causing, you know, the havoc that we know he's able to cause because in 2017, 14 and a half sacks, 2018, 10 and a half sacks that led to him getting that big contract which was well deserved um but you know is is this lack of sack production from demarcus lawrence just teams kind of ponying up and saying all right we got to stop this guy otherwise he's gonna you know decimate us
1: yeah i think it's a combination of injuries and also being the war daddy um because now you've got teams that are scheming to stop you and you know like i said in 2019, while teams are trying to stop uh, Demarcus Lawrence, you have Robert Quinn on the other side who's generating 11 and a half sacks. You know, and I think that that's gone into it. But you know, this is again. I mean, these are the challenges that, as a team, as an individual, you have to you have to face and. Whether or not you can overcome them really determines your greatness. And Demarcus Ware, for example, I can't tell you how many singers he played through and 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 how many uh I mean he was in offensive coordinators game plans going back to two thousand and six, you know, um definitely by two thousand and seven. So you had to account for where he was. Yet he fought through injuries and was able to really Uh, you know have a tremendous presence and and played great even after he got his contract extensions with Dallas so you know you just these are the challenges that have to be met but what has been good and this is why you know I think Cowboys fans just kind of look at the the Marcus Lawrence thing you know through the wrong eyes is other players are taking advantage of the attention that lawrence gets and as long as some as long as your pass rush is generating sacks does it really matter you know that one guy's getting you know 20 of them or would you rather have the team get 50 i mean you know that's just how i look at it
0: definitely and another guy i think on that defensive line before we kick it back to the offense for this cowboys team uh randy gregory you know he's back um but hasn't really seen a lot of burn on the defensive line. Uh, I know I saw some tweets the past couple of weeks where he's not, you know, just getting in on on rotations and things like that. With a guy with that type of talent who is now available for the Cowboys where he hasn't been in years past, um, why do you think Mike Nolan just hasn't been, you know, using him as much as I think a lot of people would like to see since he is available?
1: Well, last week was his first game back. Uh, from the suspension he played six snaps five of them were run stop and only one of them was a pass rush and it was actually the 52 yard pass that uh, Kyle Allen completed to Terry McLaurin uh, against Jordan Lewis but on that play it almost never happened because Lawrence was backing the left tackle into Allen's throwing lane and it almost would have been an underthrown ball at a minimum. Um, but I think that they, I think that they saw enough from that particular tape that they, you know, they, they're going to work them in. And here's the thing with, with Mike McCarthy, um, his philosophy is when you wear a Jersey on game day, you know, you're 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 going to get snaps you're going to be a part of the game plan in some facet you're not just going to be a reserve so i th- so you know even against the eagles if he only gets seven snaps or so forth the the cowboys will be diligent and try to build a plan for him to come back and start taking you know 30 snaps and or, be be more on pass rushing downs or something like that uh so gregory's just working his way back in and uh, it was randy gregory coming back that also enabled dallas to trade everson griffin to the detroit lions for a sixth round pick oh i think it's a conditional sixth round but um yeah so you have that you have dorance armstrong uh they're he, they drafted him in 2018. He's played pretty well. And so they want to give snaps to these younger guys. And one of those younger guys, even though he's taken second round of 2015 is Randy Gregory. So you'll start, you'll see him a little bit more in the game plan, but in terms of who's going to get after Carson Wentz, who they would like, I should say, uh, I think it's still going to be DeMarcus Lawrence, Alden Smith, Dorrance Armstrong, those guys.
0: And yet you bring up, Everson Griffin getting traded to the Lions is that just a case of they want to see more of you know the younger guys kind of a you know let's clear up some money while we can because we're gonna to have to you know approach the Dak Prescott situation in the off season. Um, or was it kind of just you know just wasn't really working out on both ends and let's give a guy who's a veteran a, an opportunity elsewhere
1: I think it's team tank without saying it you know and it's and it's also giving an opportunity to to younger guys so that you can evaluate what you have. <clears throat> I'm bringing in Everson Griffin and Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe. Those are uh, win-now type of moves. You know what I mean? But when you're 2-5 and five and your franchise quarterback broke his ankle and your offensive line's decimated, and you can't get on track even with a competent backup like Andy Dalton. I mean, what are the prospects for the season, even though you are in the NFCs? What are the prospects for the season? So you know, I think you you you're sellers at the trade deadline, and uh, you go ahead and uh, you know you let everson go clear up a low cap space and get a sixth round pick, which probably won't be used to do anything, but, you know, in terms of a player, but could be combined to move up in the draft in 2011. I mean, 2021.
0: Yeah. And you look at the offensive side of the ball where in the draft, uh, the Cowboys went and got CD lamb, who a lot of Eagles fans really, really wanted myself included, um, and it was one of those, you know, the rich get richer type things during the draft. He's looked great. Uh, And then as soon as Dak went out, it seemed like Andy Dalton had no business throwing him the ball as much as he had been seeing. Uh, it was a lot of Michael Gallup getting targets. And I, I brought this up to a couple of my guys that work here at Underground Sports that, you know, Michael Gallup's probably working as the number one receiver for the second team offense in practice. So Andy Dalton probably had, you know, a lot of chemistry with him coming into it. Um, Michael Gallup's an interesting case. You talk about the Cowboys being sellers at the deadline. They've come out and said they don't have any plans to move on from Michael Gallup. But uh, what's the, the wide receiver situation with this team? Obviously, Amari Cooper got the big contract. C.D. Lamb's the new, you know, shining rookie. Michael Gallup has kind of been phased into the wide receiver three position now.
1: Uh, Yeah, it just it. They really did a good job with that. That receiving core, what um, really had guys. It, it really reminded me of Green Bay, to be honest with you, because you just had no name guys that were showing up and making plays, like Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson. But it all kind of went out the window once Dak got hurt, and uh, you know Gallup, uh, he he was there for those plays to win the Giants game. But in recent weeks, he just, he hasn't had the targets and a lot of it is I, in my opinion, I think it's because of the problems of the offensive line because look at the Giants game. You had Zach Martin who was still in there and he was, so you still had some continuity and, you know, Dalton wasn't getting sacked all over the place in the first series of the Cardinals game with Andy Dalton making his first start, Zach Martin gets a concussion. He's out for the game and then against Washington, same thing. So you don't have the protection. You don't have the time for Dalton to go downfield and, you know, throw the deep ball for Gallup. So I think that that has factored into it. And, um, you know, with, with, with the receiving core that they have, maybe you could get rid... I, I think it'd be a mistake to get rid of Gallup if I were to deal anyone. I would actually try to deal Amari Cooper, but I think that Dallas should keep th- this receiving core intact and see if they can you know, have some success next season with, um, with Dak Prescott coming back. Because this is another way that Dallas... Gets draft picks from players. They don't necessarily do it through trades. They let these guys get away and then they get a compensatory pick for them. Like Byron Jones, for example, with a contract that he signed with the Dolphins. Well, in 2021, Dallas could have a third round compensatory pick, you know, at the end of the third round. And that's as good of a trade, isn't it? In terms of shoring up for draft picks. Uh, you get it a, kind of a year late. Um, oh well, no, it wouldn't be a year late. It'd be like if you traded him at the deadline now. Um, so really, that's how they try to get draft picks off of their veterans. They they don't do the Herschel Walker trade anymore.
0: Yeah, the Eagles have uh kind of become notorious for trying to get those comp picks and work the margins that way. Uh, and most notably, got one when uh, Nick Foles left town. So the the comp pick game is is definitely something I think a lot of you know front offices are starting to take notice of and view it as an asset rather than, oh, we're losing a player uh, that's been a, a contributor for us, but we can go and potentially replace that player uh, with this comp pick we're getting.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what Dallas is going to do with their receiving core.
0: Yeah, And you know, you look at this receiving core in this matchup. The Eagles secondary, a little banged up, but they're getting healthier. Avante Maddox came back last week, so he should be on the field opposite Darius Slay. It's kind of it's kind of obvious that Darius Slay is going to get the Amari Cooper matchup in this one, and then Avante Maddox takes on either Michael Gallup or CeeDee Lamb, depending on where they kind of decide to line those guys up.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it's going to be determined on is where the guys line up. But, um, you know, they'll have Jordan Lewis, uh, and they're trying to work back Chidobe Awuzie. Um, it's, you know, they've they've got to generate – they've really, I think, got to stop the run and just try to allow the, you know, the passing game to to beat them. But even so – you know, opposing quarterbacks have tallyed a 106.7 passer rating against Dallas. That's the seventh highest in the NFL. Um, So there's really – there's no strengths to this defense, and uh, really their only shot is the offense not turning it over and putting them in horrible field position. Um, And maybe you can play a bend-and-don't-break game. Um, You know, I think the Eagles – have they've done a relatively good job protecting the football because you get you've only had one turnover uh in each of the last two games uh and you have to consider that they were playing really good teams aside from you know Washington but I mean that's a division game and Cincinnati uh so when you look at how ineffective the Eagles have been, I, I think it's kind of been a product of their schedule. But if uh, if they if Philadelphia can play a clean game and not lose the turnover battle, you know I think that they should win convincingly. Maybe not so much on the scoreboard, but definitely when you watch the game, just the dominance at the line of scrimmage and so forth.
0: Yeah, you and know, I think one matchup I am looking at is the Darius Slay versus Amari Cooper matchup because if Danucci ends up having to throw the ball, Darius Slay uh, has been fantastic for the Eagles this year, but he's still looking for his first interception in an Eagles uniform. If there was any week that it should and could happen, you'd have to say it would, it would be this week if Danucci is looking Amari Cooper's way.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, and it's just going to be because... He's looking to drive the football and or, you know, he he doesn't um, he doesn't see it very well. And with Slay being a veteran like he is, uh, he could definitely bait Danucci into some stuff. So in terms of the Eagles schedule, you're you're right it doesn't get any better than this particular game. Although right after this, I think it's uh, back to Daniel Jones after the bye week. So you never know. And then then you have Baker Mayfield thereafter, but uh, it probably, yeah, you better get them now before you start seeing Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees.
0: Yeah. That's going to be the gauntlet part of this second half of the season for the Eagles. Um, But you look at, the Eagles wide receiver core in this in this matchup, too, because I think this game is all going to come down to the passing game for the Eagles and the running game for the Cowboys. Obviously, with Denucci being in, you're going to want to try to alleviate a lot of pressure off of him, give Zeke a lot of touches, and try to have you know the ground game working for you, where the opposite for the Eagles, Miles Sanders more than likely not going to be playing in this game. So Carson Wentz is going to have to spread the ball around It's essentially three new receivers that the Cowboys are going to be facing. They saw, I'm pretty sure they saw Greg Ward last year, but you know, with Greg Ward more than likely being either on the outside or in the slot, and then you have diamond in the rough, gem of a find, Travis Fulgham, who has been a revelation for this Eagles wide receiver core with all the injuries they've had. And then rookie Jalen Rager coming in, uh, who is expected to play in this game for the first time uh, since I believe week two what's kind of the Cowboys game plan, knowing that it's just kind of been film that they've been able to watch on these receivers rather than actually having head to head matchups with these three guys.
1: It's, it's just going to be about doing their job and just not getting beat deep. That's really been the Cowboys problem is just getting beat on simple things. Even high school teams know that you don't bite on and just keeping everything in front of them and trying to generate turnovers that that's really going to be the name of their game. But, uh, yeah, it seems like every time Dallas and Philadelphia meet, there's just, there's, you know, Philadelphia's got some new receivers. (laughs) Um, you know, and the, the last time they played, it was Dallas Godert who, you know, who's a tight end who led with nine catches for 91 yards, but you know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. That felt like his debut game along with Greg Ward. You know, it was just that's that's what's and to me, this is why Doug Peterson I I just don't understand why people get mad at him. You know, he finds ways to win with you know, with relatively no-name talent. You know, the division's on the line and you've got Carson Wentz throwing to practice squatters and, and, they, and you know, cause Zach Ertz I think got knocked out of that game and they managed to get it done, you know? So, uh, I look for the same thing to happen against, uh, the Eagles on Sunday night is I think, you know, it'll be an embarrassing game for the NFC East in prime time. But I think that, you, you know, the Eagles with their experience, and this is something that I saw even early on in the season, just, um, you know, even though Philadelphia, and even I made the joke that they had more ties against the Bengals uh, than they did Super Bowl wins. But, you know, you just, whoever could activate first between Dallas and Philadelphia would just own the division. And, you know, Philadelphia is kind of on track to do that. Because if you can go 3-4-1 and one in this division and hand Dallas their second division loss, uh, it just really puts you in the catbird seat for the rest of the way, even though you might go 7-8-1 and one to win the division.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous with this division. Uh, and I have to ask you, how many tweets do we plan on seeing uh, as soon as this game kicks off about how ridiculous it is that we have the NFC East in primetime yet again? Uh,
1: I would say 2,739.
0: I'll take it. I, I might even take the over on that one uh, yeah. because I've already seen it starting and the amount of people complaining about how an <coughs> NFC East team is going to make the playoffs has made my mind explode.
1: It, well, here's the thing about the Cowboys and Eagles in prime time is that this is the 17th straight season a game from this series is has been put into prime time. That is the longest prime time streak among current NFL rivalries. I know everybody says, oh, Steelers and Ravens and all. No, Cowboys-Eagles, since mm, November 15th, 2004, when it was Monday night, Dallas and Philadelphia-Texas Stadium, that was the beginning. And it's been, like I said, said the 17 straight seasons that Dallas and Philadelphia has been put in primetime and quite frankly I tell folks in Dallas this I say this is the new Dallas Washington rivalry okay that that's been retired this is it you know it's Cowboys Eagles that's the new NFC East rivalry and as a matter of fact for the Eagles um they have they have um, not faced anybody else more in primetime than, than the Dallas Cowboys. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, this is the rivalry of the NFC. So this is the best that they have to offer. Too bad it's in 2020, though.
0: Yes, too bad it is in 2020. Those are some impeccable stats, though. The fact that this is the most uh, viewed primetime game, over, you know, most played primetime game over the last 17 years, that is wild.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, it almost the streak was almost broken in 2013 because uh, Fox was slated to have uh, the entire series. But in week 17, it was, you know, a the NFC East division title game. So they flexed the week 17 game. Uh, philadelphia dallas into prime time and then boom the streak continues but uh i don't blame them for trying to give fox the whole thing that year because in 2012 the eagles were awful and dallas finished eight and eight so they probably thought that uh you know with chip kelly coming in that was his first season that it wasn't going to be that hot of a rivalry, but near the end of the year it was. Is it was Nick Foles versus Kyle Orton for the division title.
0: And Brandon Boykin with the interception. I will never get over Brandon Boykin not being in the NFL still because I was one of his biggest fans.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that was that was such an unbelievable sequence because – Des Bryant scored t- the touchdown to put him up 22. I mean, to, you know, pull within 24 22. I think Dallas gets a three and out. And then all they needed was a field goal. And, you know, Kyle Orton wasn't awful to that point. And it was just, it, it was such a back and forth. Uh, it wasn't really a, I shouldn't say a back and forth, but, you know, Philadelphia just didn't pull away with the game. And it was kind of what Cowboys fans had been saying all season, which is look, what, we- the team has been injury-riddled and injury-depleted. If you could just get these guys to play, you know, um, the defense wouldn't look like trash. And Morris Claiborne was available, and DeMarcus Ware played, and Jason Hatcher. And, you know, they had the guys up front, but, you know, it just uh, didn't manifest. And uh, that, But that's what happens when you have Kyle Orton playing under center.
0: Yeah, and I tell everybody with this matchup too, you know, it might be Eagles, Cowboys, they might be bad, they might be under five hundred. but even as Eagles fans, we have to admit, the Cowboys, if they're in primetime, it's going to draw ratings.
1: Yeah, and and that's, I was shocked they actually didn't flex out of it and go to, but they probably couldn't because CBS probably wouldn't have let them have it anyway. So NBC was probably stuck with it, but I, I was surprised that they stayed with it because there have been instances over the 17 seasons where Dallas has been awful. Go back to 2010. Romo has broken his collarbone and it's, um, I think it's week 14 Uh, and yes, yeah, week 14 and Dallas is playing Philadelphia and Dallas is, no way they're going to make the playoffs. And they they left the game. They didn't flex out of it for that reason. Because even hating Dallas is such a national pastime. That as a TV programmer, you have to leave it in there. And I think that everyone who hates Dallas will probably have a lot of memorable moments on Sunday night.
0: Absolutely. I can't wait for this game. It's always a blast. Um, I'm intrigued to see what uniforms the Eagles wear for a primetime game against the Cowboys. But uh, as always, Eagles-Cowboys is one hell of a ride. It's going to be another chapter in this this storied rivalry that people need to start admitting that it is the premier rivalry in the NFC East. Mark, can't thank you enough for coming on the show this week. Let everybody know where they can check out your Cowboys stuff. I know you also uh, cover the Texans as well. So let everybody know where they can check you out on social media and read all your stuff that you do cover in the NFL.
1: Yeah. uh, On Twitter, at the real Mark Lane, you can find my Cowboys stuff at WFAA.com slash Cowboys. And you can check out my Cowboys 100. I come up with a hundred facts every week uh, for, you know, the Cowboys versus their upcoming opponent, do it for the same thing with the Texans too. And that's, what's interesting about covering the Texans and the Cowboys is last week, They were both playing the noon game. I had, you know, both the screens on, and it looked like the same game. I mean, the only thing that looked different was, like, it was the Packers. This team played the Packers, and that one played Washington. Other than that, it was like the same team. They couldn't – but they both couldn't stop the run. only thing for Houston and, and, I mean, really – at least they still have a quarterback, you know, in Deshaun Watson. So, you know, at least they have some pulse, you know, but it's still the same thing, giving up the run, giving up the pass, you know. (laughs) It's So that's why when Cowboys fans are like, this is the worst defense I have ever seen. I'm like, well, you need to tune over to CBS, you know. And, and then you, you may disagree.
0: Yeah, go check out the Jets, too, because they might have a word to say with that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> How
1: Adam Gay still has a job. Okay, Bill O'Brien, he actually did something in his career. He actually won AFC South titles in, in a couple of playoff games. He actually is, you know he, he gets the benefit of it. No, he's fired. After an 0 4 start. Dan Quinn, I mean, it was 25-3, to but, I mean, they went to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he did get the most, I think, out of Matt Ryan and that bunch than anyone else has fired after they, you know, the next week. Yeah, here's Adam. G- I don't even understand how Adam Gase got a job after the Dolphins. I would figure that would be the end of it. They, You know, go back to being an offensive coordinator, but – Nah,
0: riding Pete JETS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, he
1: can he can ride him into the nationwide commercials.
0: Very very soon, hopefully, because that team—if you want to talk about dumpster fires—that team is the ultimate dumpster fire.
1: Yeah, I never was high on Sam Darnold because I just think that USC quarterbacks get hyped up way more than they deserve. But I don't feel like that kid got a chance. Totally agree. I feel like if he yeah. goes
0: somewhere else, he'll uh, he'll find at least some, you know, starting success. Yeah. Mark, it's been an absolute pl- pleasure. I'm sure we'll talk uh, on Sunday during the game, and I uh, can't wait for Eagles-Cowboys, my man.
1: All right, Kyle. Thanks. So sorry I called you Brent earlier.
0: Oh, it's all good. <laughs> it was, it was, it, I, was it, I got
1: tripped up on the last name, but it was good being on, Kyle.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk Cowboys again, we'd love to have you on uh, anytime you're free. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Well, there you have it, Eagles fans. Even Cowboys, people in the know, like my man Mark Lane, think the Eagles have a chance to win this one pretty handily. And as they should, the Cowboys are an absolute mess right now. They're playing a third string, seventh round quarterback, Ben DiNucci, and Carson Wentz is rolling. You know, we didn't even really get into Carson as a whole, but Carson has played well over the past four weeks, in my opinion. He's getting guys involved. Jalen Rager's back. We're going to have some Rager bombs dropping on Sunday night. And although Miles Sanders won't be playing, Boston Scott looked pretty pretty damn good against the Giants, so hopefully that success continues against the Cowboys defense that hasn't really been that great, especially if you get Boston Scott involved in the passing game. Very much looking forward to this game. Eagles should roll into the bye week with a big-time dub, go on a winning streak, and then you'll come out of the bye against the New York football Giants again. It's setting up really well for the Eagles to have some success before they get into that gauntlet stretch later on in the season, but I think the biggest thing is you got to stop these receivers. Take them completely out of the game. Don't let them get involved underneath. And then just stop Zeke. Feed Zeke your pass rush. Feed Zeke when you're trying to stop him from running. Feed him. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat. If he's trying to pass block, run him over. Stopping Ezekiel Elliott is the key to winning this game for the Eagles, and if they can do that, they should come away with a big time epic win over the Cowboys. Got to thank my man Mark Lane for coming on the show this week. Make sure you guys check him out on Twitter at the real Mark Lane. Check out all his Cowboys stuff that he mentioned in the episode because he does a damn good job covering the Dallas Cowboys. And as always, guys, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast feed, Underground Sports Philadelphia. On Apple Podcasts, you can drop a five-star rating and review. Let us know how you're feeling about Cowboys week, how you're feeling about this Eagles team right now as we get set for week eight. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. We're trying to hit that end-of-year goal of getting to 300 overall five-star ratings and reviews. Would mean a lot to everybody here at this little independent operation if you could drop a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can check us out also on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, Underground Sports Philadelphia is there. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Underground PHI. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Twitter and Instagram at Underground PHI for the podcast. And check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. We're not doing typical game write ups and things like that. We're doing fun, interesting, quote-unquote underground stories that not everybody's talking about. Check it out, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, and check out all of our live content at twitch.tv slash undergroundsportsphi. And we'll be back following the bye week to get ready for another showdown with the New York Giants. This has been another edition of Season 3 of Eagles enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. Big shout out to my man Mark Lane again for coming on the show. I'm your host Kyle Bennett, and as we always say, Go Birds!